I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. It's that time again. The Wocast is back at you with myself and G. Stand on G. Nothing much having my tea with uh, Michael Morgan and, and, and the folks listening <laughs> as usual. <laughs> tea time. T tea and still no crumpets. Not crumpets. This is not a dance. Crumpets. No, this is some ratchet ass tea. You would probably hate it if I made you a cup of tea. <laughs> Did you make it in the microwave? What is all this microwave warming up of tea business that you guys are under over there? You can't let good tea go to waste. If I let it sit out for a little bit, I might throw it back in the microwave warming oh, up. Oh, you're joking. You're one of those. I was joking. I thought this was kind of like, uh, I thought this was like um, people in the deep south, like deep, deep south who were indulging in this. But you're telling me you warm up your tea in the microwave. Gee. I mean, if, if it gets a little cold, that's how we do it in Brooklyn. I'm not from wow. where where you from, yo. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of tea, there were a lot of uh, TKOs, which we've um, basically been, uh, see that segue there, basically been, um, uh, well, indulging in, in the last few days. I think it's only right that we canter through some of the ride runners and riders in terms of combat action that took place since the last time we mm -hmm. spoke. First up. Bellator 254, McFarlane versus Velasquez. Now, both going into this um, unbeaten. And I for heard. a lot of people, you know, they were looking at this as um, an incredible matchup considering the unbeaten status of both combatants. But it was McFarlane who came off the uh, worst. And uh, the unanimous victory in all of, all of the uh, toing and throwing over... The uh, clash was Velasquez. Now, you know, I like the way that McFarlane um, dealt with it. She didn't run and hide. She came out front and centre and said mm -hmm. she felt, felt a sense of release. She felt a sense of relief as well for having, you know, broken that unbeaten streak. And now, you know, she's going to look at what she can take away in terms of lessons from this, which is great. But also on the card, I think it's only right to mention as well, Britain's own Linton Vassell competing at heavyweight. He came up with a second round TKO over Ronnie Marks. Now, nice. I have to put my hand up to this. We, well, I say we, I need to make more of a concerted effort to reach out to um, people like Linton Vassell on the Bellator roster because there are so many. Um, of our Brits competing now under the Bellator roster. Oh, yeah. And um, I think that we need to kind of like reach out and have them on the show a little bit more. So that's one thing I'm going to be rectifying in nice. 2021 because Linton Vassell, if you remember last week when we, we spoke mm -hmm. um, and even on the subsequent Shots Fired, I know you weren't on that particular episode, but there was no mention, first of all, that Linton Vassell was our sole Brit on the card actually represented and represent well he did I mean that TKO over Ronnie Marks does actually put him back in um, well in the frame as you know a, a, a credible threat to the heavyweight crown so as yeah. well as that we had um, well over the weekend Anthony Joshua versus 
Kubrick Prulev. Now, for many of you who are stateside, you will know that Anthony Joshua is our greatest hope alongside Tyson Fury. Now, in terms of names, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua on the boxing scene are the two front runners. They're the most popular. They're the people who people are actually looking to to actually, well, wave the flag in terms of heavyweight action on the boxing scene. Now, Kirat Prulev was basically a mandatory that and Anthony Joshua had to take on before um, thinking about any other opponent and take him on he did despite the shit talking of Kubrick Pulov in the in the runner <laughs> now you saw this this I have to uh-huh. say was a strange matchup it was a strange bout because not only did you have um Pulev being dropped three times like twice in the so final many. round but three times yeah. and you know him turning his back and cowering in the corner you would have thought the referee would have waved it off but that what I liked about this, it was the return of the fans. There were a thousand fans in attendance, and yeah. um, they got what they. Yeah, well, they got what they 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 paid for because mm-hmm. that KO of Pulev in the in in round nine was absolutely incredible. But you know, leading up to that, I've not seen this in a while where uppercuts are thrown not just in ones and twos but threes and fours like oh, continuously yeah. over and over. And, you know, Anthony Joshua's jab was established really early. And that seems to be uh, the go-to of late of of, of, um, boxing, um, well, boxing pros. Well, that I've seen of late, that jab was established early and it was with great effect. He was keeping Cuba at at range, but not only that, you know, using that to pepper him with a variety of shots. So hopefully, just hopefully, that fight, that bout gets the attention of Tyson Fury because that's all that we want to see happen in 2021. To be honest with you, uh-huh. I'd rather see that over Tyson Fury and De- Deontay Wilder going yeah. at it again. How about yourself? I mean, you, you saw the fight. What did you make of it? Um, well, with that being said, understand that I don't really keep up with boxing, but I watch mm. the fights that matter. And something told me to tune in for this. It's Anthony Joshua, but I'm not familiar with Pulev. And I did notice the shit talking before the fight yeah. and and the shit talking in, in the um, in, in the, the in ring. ring. Mm. Like Pulev was like laughing as he was getting spun 360 <laughs> as being punched. And was that entertaining? Yes. But I remember being like, wow, this guy really sold this fight. And look Mm. at the outcome. Anthony Joshua is boxing him the hell up. I honestly thought the fight could have been called the first time he spun him around 360. And I think maybe the ref was out of position or something like that. I'm unsure, but I was quite shocked. It didn't, the fight wasn't stopped then. And it was like, you know, one of my favorite sayings, the writings were on the wall. Once I saw him turn 360 a couple of times, I was like, Joshua's going to nail him and end this. And that's what Mm. we saw in the ninth round. However, Mike, I don't know if Joshua's going to fight Excuse me, uh, Tyson Fury next. I believe the Wilder rematch is like, a part of their clause or their contract. I'm unsure. Don't hold me to it. But I think mm. that's the fight we're going to see next. And I'm with you. I don't want to see it. I want to see Anthony Joshua fight Tyson. I think it's inevitable that that is what's next for Tyson yeah. Fury in terms of the Wilder matchup. Because like you say, contractually, they're bound. But please, right? if there is a God in 2021, we have to see Joshua versus Fury. You know, for all the marbles, basically. Yeah. This is what people are baying out for. I saw a, a few people snidely remarking uh, via Twitter that, you know, Pulev is just a can and, you know, it'll be great if Joshua could just man up. And 
I yeah, I can see where they were coming from because it's not as though, you know, he was baying for blood last night and, you know, yeah. calling Tyson Fury's name over and over again. He was deferring to his promoter saying, oh, whatever, the promoter put, puts in front yeah, of me. I, I didn't thought, like that either. I, I hate it yeah. when they do that in MMA and I hate it more when they do it in boxing. No, don't get me wrong. Just like you, I'm a real casual and I'm talking probably Same. more casual than you when it comes to boxing. Yeah. But I do know this, that... You know, this is the matchup that does need to happen. Yeah, I mean, the fans want to see a competitive fight. You know, mm. Tyson Wilder, it was not that competitive. It wasn't like the first fight. Tyson Fury showed up with a, a, a very effective game plan and proved he was the better fighter. And I don't see that changing in the next fight. I just don't. Yeah. And, but I think Anthony Joshua has more challenges for Tyson Fury. That jab is superb, and he's a really damn good fighter, and he offers different challenges than yeah. the hard-hitting Wilder that Tyson already has figured out. So I really wish, like you said, if the gods could just somehow scrap this and get us Anthony <laughs> Joshua versus Tyson, I'm tuning in for that 100%. That would be, that'd be pretty amazing. Know. Yeah, yeah. But great fight, great scrap. I enjoyed it. Mm. I think we we had a, a blessed past weekend because in terms of scraps, neatly segueing into UFC 256 Figueredo versus Marino, what a card. Not only was it a delight mm. to actually see it on paper, like mm. come to fruition plus with um, minimal disruption in terms of um, those people competing on it, but it absolutely delivered. In a time-honored fashion, I'm going to go first. Actually, no, I'm going to be a gentleman. Regardless of where we are on the card, we're actually going to be looking at the prelims. But what for us um, were the standout fights? Now, you're going to pick two. I've picked two. But I'm going to be a gentleman this week. I'm going to ask you to go first. Oh, well, thank you, Mike. I love when you're nice to me. <laughs> and uh, I'll start with what, you know, the card started out with. Chase Hooper mm. versus Peter Barrett. Of course, we know that Peter Barrett is a contender series pup. But here's the thing. He hasn't had a win in the UFC since winning his contract on the contender series. So he's, you know, he's gone down a couple of times, I believe, and he lost his UFC debut. So he came out with a very good game plan for Chase Hooper, which was don't go to the ground with this kid and beat him up on the feet. And that's what we saw. I yeah. love I love that he targeted Chase Hooper's lead leg, and it was giving Chase problems. And we also noticed that Chase Hooper has huge defense deficiencies in the striking game, and it really massive. Showed. It's massive. It's it's like we can't hide about this anymore. It's not rude to call it out <laughs> on it anymore. It's 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 open for discussion. We all can agree that the kid's got some serious work to do with his hands. However, mm. we also need to discuss the fact that. Chase Hooper made the right decisions in the middle of facing that challenge and adversity. That Imanari role that he pulled mm. off in the third mm. round to get the win is what you do when you're being manhandled on the feet. And the kid made the right decision. He went for it, and he pulled it off. And it yeah. looked painful. What a great submission. I was at home like, hey, look at his knee, look at his knee. And, it, and Peter Barrett looked so sad in the process because he was well <laughs> on his way to a majority decision win. And he goes down at the last second in the third round. What a fight. But I, I'm, I'm worried for Chase Hooper and his future in the UFC as far as like somebody just beating him up on the feet really badly. Like I think it's mm -hmm. going to come again like when Alex Caceres took him out. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see that again, but I like that Chase was like, fuck this, I'm doing what I know, and I'm going to pull it out the last second. Great fight. You're kind, far too kind, because let's just put it bluntly, mm -hmm. 
he got dominated. He got owned. He got terrorized on he the feet. He looked bad. And that, 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 that's, that's the terrifying thing. The optics look bad because oh. he will weather the storm, but in the process look as though he was he's about to be killed. And that mauling isn't really good when you're looking at this guy and his background. Coming off a developmental deal, and um, I should say full disclosure, having had Chase Hooper on the show mm-hmm. before, having... Um, spoken and become acquainted with him. I still feel that, you know, well, I'm trying to be kind here, but I feel the realness needs to come out as well. I personally feel as though he's been brought on too far too soon when you look at the one-dimensional or one-dimensional aspect of his game plan. If he can get it to the ground and if he can um, keep it on the ground, he'll obviously wreck shop. But this is MMA. You can't actually come in here with just one dimension, with just one side, with just one aspect of a game plan. And, and then, this is you the know, UFC. hope to weather the storm. Right. Yeah. And this is the UFC in the featherweight division. There's a lot of killers up there that are mm. that are not deficient in the striking. And Chase Hooper is somebody that could probably do a lot more work on the regional circuit because of the deficiency in his striking, but is struggling with Peter Barrett at the Contender Series pup, who himself is developing. What does that tell yeah. you? Yeah, it tells exactly. you that pretty soon somebody's going to knock this kid's head off. Um, Tamar almost did it in Chase Hooper's um, UFC debut. He came yes. real close to getting his head knocked off. Mm. But Chase Hooper... He's a warrior. He's a kid, but he's a fucking warrior. And he knows that he's young. He knows that he's battling these critics. And he knows that he is deficient in his striking, so he's not giving up. I like that about him, but be prepared for that ass whooping that's going to come his way. And I'm scared. In the the next matchup. And and that's just it. Do we have the tolerance to watch this guy develop within or in front of us? Now... I have to keep underlining the fact he looks superb when he gets his own way. He looks superb Look when he gets role. to the ground. Who pulls yes. that off like it's nothing? Yes. Someone that is levels ahead in jujitsu. That, that's exactly. not a simple feat what he pulled off in the third round right before losing to like um, a dis- majority win. He knew he was down. And he mm. went for something that he knows that he can do very well. And Peter Barrett fell for it. You know? And that's... That, that, that's my, my first question to you. Do we want to see this? Do we want to see him develop in front of our very eyes in a professional arena, getting battered and bruised from pillar to post? Do we want to see this? I think there's a way to manipulate this and get around that. I think we have to keep giving him contender series types of pups so that he but can develop. But this is the UFC. This well, is the real world. we got to make exceptions if you like this kid. You want him to die, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> you want you know him to get I'd hurt? Like to he see? looks like a baby. I can't handle it. He looks 14. Mm. I don't want to see it, but go ahead. You know what I'd like to see? I know this is pretty controversial, but having seen how he performs and having seen his shortcomings, I feel that, you know, some decisions need to be taken when he does actually sustain his first loss. And I think that decision should be back to the regional circuit. They just might, you know, with that 60 cuts coming. And, yes, and, and Dana, that's exactly you know, what I'm thinking about. Peter Barrett is probably a lot cheaper than Chase Hooper. Mm. You know, a contender series pup is a lot cheaper than the youngest kid in the UFC that has a, uh, um, a fan base, a following. And, like, he's really fun on the mic. He, he has jokes with Ben Askren. You know, he's done some stuff with the UFC. Like, I'm sure he gets paid a little bit more than his mm. opponents. 
So I'm mm. sure they can save a buck or two. And I'm sure he's the type of fighter that Dana's like, let's send him back, but let's keep an eye on him and bring him yes. back because he has Precisely. that fan base. Yeah. Precisely. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dana keeps him and, and does my thing, which is like give him the pups to let him develop. But mm. you know what can happen? A pup can land really hard shot and put him out too. Just because you feed him contender series types of dudes or amateurs doesn't mean that amateur can't bite down on a mouthpiece and knock this kid the hell out. Yes. We saw this last night. You know, when he went up in competition, Alex Caceres shot him back down. Peter mm -hmm. Barron almost beat his ass last night. So either way, <laughs> either way, this kid's in trouble, whether it's a, a regional fighter, a contender series pup, or a vet. He's in a little bit of trouble. It, it should be interesting to see how Dana handles this. Exactly. <sighs> well, I bring into the table Hinata Moicano versus <laughs> Rafael Fiziev. You know, for a while I was calling him Fiziev. And um, <laughs> I suppose f phonetically when you, when you read his name, that's how it reads. But... Fiziev, his fast combinations being on display were a thing of beauty. I was rubbing my hands when this fight came on because this is what I was looking for. As you know, you know he faced uh, Mark D. Casey um, in his debut, and he took Mark D. Casey to town, but he hung with him. Mark D. Casey hung in there, so mm -hmm. I thought that this was a remarkable step up. But for some reason, I just had my money on Rafael Fiziev because. This guy is fast. He is deadly. The combination was just absolutely incredible. I have to say, I was a little. Bit, I felt a little bit cheated because his lean black back uh, slips, we just like Fat Joe, that, yeah. didn't get to see any of that. And I was like, ah, okay. But what we did see, I mean, we 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 did see those fast combinations being on display. And I'm glad. You know something? Mm -hmm. I'm so glad when he actually, well, ob obtained that TKO that they kept the cameras on Moicano because you could have seen or you could have like said to yourself mm, that was a bit too quick but did you see him try to get up did you see Moicano try to get up I mean that body head body or that it was actually body Ooh. head head yes. Uh, finish yes he could barely stand after that well I'll tell you this Mike I was actually falling in love with Moicano's performance before he was knocked out um, really yeah yeah, I was with Joe Rogan. I wasn't with Joe Rogan. I thought Joe Rogan was going to have an orgasm when it came to Fasiv. <laughs> so I'm really happy that Fasiv got the knockout that Joe Rogan was harping on. But Makano mm. was handling him just fine. Was um, Say his name again so I, I don't sound stupid. Fasiv. Fasiv. Yes, Fasiv was circling, using nice footwork. Um, yes, he was landing the harder shots. Like when he threw a kick... And it landed. It was loud. And that's how that man throws. He, he, he throws. He's, like, accurate, but he hits hard. So he's able to just, like, plant his feet and throw. But the accuracy and the speed that goes with it is, is, is incredible. But Makano's, excuse me, but Makano's jab was beautiful. He was disrupting um, Fazeev's mm. movement. But Fazeev just made the proper adjustments and just showed up with that beautiful combination, hit the body, and ended the fight. I do agree with Joe that Makano should not have played with fire. But can you blame him? He was doing pretty well with the jab and, and handling his business. I, I, I'm not mad at him for going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Fazeev, but it would have been smarter if he was like, let me respect him. Even though I'm doing well, let me mix things up. And he did it. <clears throat> I'm not mad at the stoppage, yeah. though. You know, like no. I, I, I could go either way. If the if the ref wanted to continue huh? it, I could go <laughs> either way. Yeah. Huh? If you look closely, like yeah. Makano looks like after. Well, 
let me bring that back. Fazeev did drop like a hard right hand when he came over him, and Faz- yeah. and, and Makano ate that. But he seemed to be alert and was ready to defend himself, and the referee stopped the fight. But when Makano got up, and you could see how you know fucked up he was and, and yes. off the rails, I was like, okay, I agree with the stoppage. But Thank I would have went. But I would have went either or. If he gave it a couple more seconds, one more shot, I would have been fine. But I was okay with the stoppage. Like Makano was on. You know, front street, the birds were flying above his head. You could see it when he got up. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, like I say, body, head, head. The, the last thing he experienced was his brain being rattled. So it's no wonder he could hardly stand and he thought he was in the fight. But no way, that was a perfect stoppage. In terms of refs, that was spot on. Yeah, yeah. I'm not mad at it, like I said. E- I could have went mm. either way. When I watched the replay, <laughs> I'm like, damn, look at him get yeah. up all fucked up. So good stoppage. And then when you watch it right before he gets up, you're kind of like, oh, no, he turned his body towards Fazeev. He's ready to defend. But I do like the stoppage. I'm okay with it. But, man, Fazeev is just something else. And I cannot wait to see him, you know, start hitting, like, these top ten dudes or, like, going up the ladder, man. I cannot wait. I think he's beatable, but he's a fucking problem. I mean, mm, I want to see those lean back slips as well. Come yeah, back. I mean, his speed and accuracy is is unimaginable. But what gets me is that with along with the speed, precision and accuracy is that he hits hard. Mm. And I, I just it's really it's really amazing to see somebody like kind of sit down on their punches, but also don't give up the speed advantage or the power advantage. You see how Frankie's mm-hmm. so fast, he's in and out, and he just kind of boxes you up. Fazeev just hit, does the same thing, but he hits so hard, you're out of here. <laughs> so, <laughs> And also, too, Mike, real quick, credit to um, Mark Diacase for hanging in there for so long. You see what yes. Fazeev did to, um, to, to Renato. Moicano, yeah. It, uh, excuse me, Morcano. you saw what he did. It, 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 shout out to Mark for being to withstand that that um, beating he took. That punishment, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Jesus Christ! I'm gonna go back to you, and um, what else did you have a look at? Listen, Gavin Tucker and Billy Quarantillo got my attention. First of all, it got my attention when it was announced. I knew this fight was going to bang, and I didn't harp on it enough online. But what a banger this fight was. And, Mike, if you haven't seen it, I need you to go nah. back and watch this. No, no, no. It's okay. On, you ha- when we hang up, after you're done editing, go and watch this fight. Okay. Both guys were tough for a different reason. Gavin was just so much stronger than Billy and was tossing around in the clinch and having his way with him. But Billy just had the more superior boxing. I mean, Mike, you're going to love this performance by, excuse me, not Billy. You're going to love this performance by Gavin Tucker. He was the fighter that had the superior boxing. Excuse me. Okay. The the slips, the way his head was off the center line, and then the way he would respond to these slips. Like, he didn't just get out of the way. He responded with a counter while slipping. It was beautiful. And Billy just wasn't ready. And Billy started to gas out by the second round. And Gavin Tucker just took over. It was a complete and utter dominant performance Mike go Hmm. check it out I don't even know what else to say Gavin Tucker came out there and beat the shit out of him it was a a clinic and Billy was tough as nails and he was eating the shots like walking dead I I just I mean he could have hit him with the kitchen sink for real and Billy wouldn't have done nothing except keep coming forward and just put up a good fight it was a Mm. great great fight and I want to see more from Gavin Tucker He's also another fighter where we need to give him a Shane Burgos. We need to give him somebody that's going to fight him just as completely and as well as he did Billy Quarantillo. I am okay. ready. Yeah, I'm ready. What about you? What's up for you? 
Um, Cub Swanson versus Daniel Pineda. Um, I should say, <laughs> I've kept my eye on um, Cub Swanson, and I know he's been out of the cage for a while. It's just that I remember when I interviewed him, I thought it would be a smart idea to call him by his real name. Do you know what his real name is? No, no one ever addresses him by his, his first name, his real name. Do you know what his, his real name is? It's your trivia question this week. Uh, I'm going to fail my trivia question because I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> What's his it's real Kevin. name? It's Kevin. It's Kevin. Oh, it's Kevin Swanson. Yeah, so I, I thought it'd be really smart to address him as, as Kevin <coughs> as we opened up our interview. Like, we, we, I had a one-on-one with him mm-hmm. back in the day when you could actually meet people. Mm-hmm. Damn those days. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, I opened up with that and the icy stare. Man looked like he was looking at my soul. And he was like, ah, you know my real name? No one calls me that. I was like, yeah, I've done my research. I thought I was being smart. Anyway, we... Um, yeah, we had, that, sh- uh, that shit we, does we catch had- you off guard. Though. <laughs> like, yeah. no one calls me by my real name. And when you do, I'd be like, excuse me? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> so I, I, f- I feel that story. <laughs> yeah. So um, ever since then, you know, we... we uh, well, I, I've kept a, a real eye on him because I, I thought he was a charming individual and I liked his realness. He was like... No, no, no. No one calls me that. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. I personally uh, thought Cub Swanson looked back on point. This was vintage um, mm-hmm. Cub Swanson. After coming back after the injury, I think it was, uh, I think it was a, either a leg injury or something around that area anyway, he looked amazing. And um, he really two-pieced up um, Pineda in the, in the first, like savagely. And um, what do you compare the two? Is it just me? But... Pineda, I'm not sure if it's that back tattoo. I always find that back tattoo really distracting. But he looked <laughs> massive. Not just his broad back, but his, his his legs as well. It looked like he was in another division and Cub Swanson was fighting <laughs> yeah. someone way bigger than him in the early days of UFC. Like, it was crazy. And Daniel knew this. Did you see, like, his fighting, like, his style in this fight was just, just straight-up bully Cub? Stayed in yeah. his face, was mm. hitting him with some hard shots, wouldn't give him any room to breathe. and then Concentrating was, on that leg. Constant, yeah, you took the words right out my mouth. The smart, smart move is to always take out that front leg, but look what mm. Cub did. He remained calm, cool. Why? Because he He's a veteran. He's been there before. He switched stances and immediately adjusted to this dude. And how about that dirty boxing in the clinch? How about those short uppercuts to Daniels? It was so beautiful. And mm. it set up that right hand that floored Daniels. So Incredible beautiful. KO victory. Yes. Mm. And Mike, let's just talk about it real quick. Cub needed that. I believe he was having, what, four losses in a row before this? Like... He's had a rough, rough really? run. Yeah, let's pull it up, okay. Mike. Let's pull it yeah. up. Give me one sec. I've got the um, Google in front of me hitting this sure dog. And in three, two, hurry up, Wi-Fi, and one. Check this out. He lost to Brian Ortega, Frankie mm. Edgar, Renato mm. Conero, Shane Burgos. Then he won to Crone Gracie, which was nice, but that was back in 2019. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, that recency bias is real. Like when a fighter doesn't win in, the, in a short period of time or if it's not fresh in our minds, we tend to forget. But we remember the four losses, though. You know what I mean? Then he beats up Crone Gracie. Wonderful performance, but he needed this. 60 cuts and you have four losses to the killers in your division? Nah, <laughs> bro. And you only beat Crone Gracie? Like, Cub is loved, but I'm sure mm. he could be cut in those 60 cuts as well. Easily. So, so this win 
was a lot for him. And I get why he was like crying afterwards. He came out to like kitty music. The fight was for mm-hmm. his kids. Mm-hmm. And he really pulled it out of his ass and showed us Vintage Cub. And I'm really happy. Really yep. happy. Loved him. Loved to see him back. Oh, absolutely. So you got one more just before we segue into the main card. Um, Let me take a look. No, I think we... Hold on. No, we got a... No, I th- oh yes, yeah, look look at me going back and forth. This, this fight card was so delicious. I don't even know what to do. Yeah, mm. Tisha Torres and Sam Hughes. Tisha needs yeah. an honorable mention. Why? Because she came out there and she beat this lady's ass. And it was a performance I've never seen from this woman. I saw head kicks in and out of range, in the pocket, also out of range. It was beautiful. Mm. They were scary. Superman punches Tisha. Okay, you feeling good. And let's not forget, (laughs) and let's not forget, you know why she was like kicking and doing all this stuff? She prepared for another kickboxer, which is Angela Hill. She was ready to stand Uh, and bang. And mm. Sam Hughes talked a little bit of shit before the fight. She was like, people don't know that I'm a really good kickboxer and I'm better than her. So Tisha Torres came out there and said, I don't think so. And here's mm. another thing. I looked up Sam Hughes's record. She shouldn't have been there with um, Tisha Torres. She's what, before this fight, five and one. She's got some... Uh, you know, regional scene type, but like she fought at LFA. And yeah, basically, Sam Hughes is probably better for the contender series than to make a UFC debut against Tisha Torres. And it fucking okay. showed. Yeah, and it fucking showed. Tisha dominated her and mm. got that TKO one, excuse me, that TKO win by Dr. Stoppage because she opened her up early because she was beating her ass the whole first round. Mm. It, it was a wonderful performance for Tisha. And let's rebook Angela Hill. After seeing Tisha improve upon her kickboxing like that I want to see the two of them fight rebook it Dana please (laughs) moving on to the main card Mm -hmm. JDS versus Cyril Garn now I've been calling him Gagne me too it just sounded right but on the broadcasts everybody was going with Garn so Cyril Garn it is yeah Yeah. going with Garn now he advanced to seven and zero, and I have to say, just kicking off the fight, you know there were flashes of vintage JDS, but albeit in the closing seconds of the first but, round. Hold up, I hold have up, to Mike. say, so, huh? may, may I interrupt here? Mm. Walk me through that first round because, believe it or not, I missed the first round. Turned on the TV and caught the the you know the murder she wrote in the second round and saw junior go down walk me through the first round was it vintage junior was he hanging in there or was he was the writing on the wall was surreal beating his ass in the first round i missed it there was there there was smatterings of vintage jds but too little too late in the closing round or in the closing stanza of the first round um we saw flashes of vintage jds but he was just too slow he wasn't reacting to what was in front of him it was almost as though you know his his corner called it right because when he got back there they tried Mm. to warn him to pay attention because he wasn't he was just reacting just really almost as though um what he was seeing was in like well (laughs) he was observing the fight and not engaging in the Mm. fight he wasn't in the fight that's what i'm grasping for but Garnier seemed to be like second yeah it must be Garnier Ogan was like seconds ahead of him and he looked great I mean you know he pieced him up um well flashes of that in in the first and just continued that in the second what you saw in the second round 
was being set up oh, by Gohan in the, the first. Yeah, yes, I that. yes. The, yeah, it was the beginning of the end. Mm. I, I, I suspected that when I walked in on, on the beating in the second round. I was like, holy shit, I wonder if like Cyril figured him out and it led to yes. this. And, I, and it sounds like I was right. Also too, JDS from what you're describing to me sounds like me and tattoos. Like I have a bunch of tattoos, but as I'm getting older, my threshold for pain cannot handle them anymore. So I'm getting uh-huh. less and less tattoos. Mm. I'm starting to think maybe with age, Junior DeSantos is becoming reactionary to the pain. Indeed. You know, like it, and I did catch a glimpse of that in the first round. I don't know what happened last night. I got distracted. So when I did look over in the first round, I did see a very reactionary Junior Dos Santos. And that's what yeah, makes but, me think but too, of age but too and slow, pain. Though. And slow, and slow, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, this is normal. It's the changing of the guard. You got the young buck against the gatekeeper. This is gonna happen. Either the gatekeeper steps up and sends the, you know, the young buck back down to to change things up and come back up again, or the gatekeeper gets smoked, and that's what we saw. And I believe that's what the matchmakers were looking for. Junior Dos Santos is not cheap. He's got a name, a following, he's a former champ, he's got some wars, I'm sure for his contract negotiations, he's getting paid quite well. And this Mm. was the setup to kind of be like, we're either gonna pay you less or maybe get cut. And this, this was his moment. And unfortunately, I think, you know, we're gonna see something like that but I don't. I'm a huge fan of his. What do you think? You think he might get cut or contracts? I don't think there's any him? might. I don't think there's any might about it. Considering they're talking about, oh well, you'll be surprised by the names that we'll be cutting. And considering you know he has been on a on a losing streak. If I remember rightly, actually I'll have to punch it up mm-hmm. in a second or um, let's have a look because if I remember rightly, uh, let's see, JDS. Uh, I thought that he was actually coming off a loss, but I can't remember. Why isn't my internet working? <laughs> Don't you hate that? Yeah. Who are you looking up? JDS? Junior DeSantis. Yeah, so I was working now. Right, great. So, uh, let's punch up his stats now. Mm. He's on a four-fight losing streak. Now, oh, he lost man. to Francis Ngannou, remember? Yes. And Curtis Blade? Yes. Rosenstruck? And and now to gone. So, and losing in horrific fashion. Yep, he's out of okay. there. There yeah. is no way that he's getting a reprieve. No he, Here's way. another thing. Are we really, like, do I want to see this because he's just, like, one of our fan favorites? But the beatings have got to stop. Let's mm. not forget the beatings he took from Kane that made him never fight the same way again. And now we got older GDS getting beat up by gatekeepers. and, and Not yep. gatekeepers, by the new... By the new breed. The new breed. Yes. Mm. Enough is enough. This man, we want him to remember his grandchildren and his life and have a good life later in life. It's okay if the UFC cuts him. It will hurt, but he needs to be protected. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Kevin Holland versus Jacques Ray. Ooh. What do you reckon of this? I reckon that Kairos told y'all asses that this was <laughs> <laughs> That's what I reckon. He surely did. He surely you know, did. You know, all praise due to Kairos. He tried to tell us he was right. Yeah, I mean, he he was insistent of how this was actually going going to go down. I actually posted the audio, which he tried to tell us on the mm-hmm. last shots fired. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that uh, Kairos is going to listen to this. Kairos, you were right. We bow down to your sophistication, your knowledge, and your saying. We're just going to call him Kairos Nostradamus from now on. 
Right. That's, you know, that's the pre- that's the man right there. We got to start. I know he's younger than us, Mike, but we got to stop being stuck in our old ass ways <laughs> and listen yeah. to this young buck because he wasn't lying. Listen to I, the man. Yo, listen, I picked Jacare too. And I totally did not take into consideration that Kevin Holland, this what his fifth right, his fifth, mm. excuse me, I cannot talk today, his fifth fight in the UFC. That means mm-hmm. he's active. He's dealing with all types of adversity, whether it's switching up the opponent, um, training during a pandemic. Like he's built for war right now. Meanwhile, Jacare is aging. He's older. Yep. He's slower. Yep. And he hasn't fought in quite a while. You yep. know what I mean? Like we totally forgot about Kevin Holland's youth and momentum. We just totally mm-hmm. fell in love with the Jacare we know that is dangerous. And, man, and Kevin Holland shut our asses up, huh? Exactly. And speaking of momentum, you know, I think Kyra's kind of like smelt blood in the water because having looked at what he did to Weidman, oh, sorry, um, uh, what, what happened when he clashed Weidman, I mean, you only have to look at the fact that he lost four now of his last five. And uh, I'll be very shocked and surprised if um, he isn't part of the purge that's going to be going down in the next oh, that would be or nuts. coming days and weeks. And, you know, Jacare just said he's not concerned with that purge. Like, he's a different you know, animal. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know. This is, you know, it's pandemic time and your evil boss is bragging about cutting people with names. So you might You know be that kind of list. talk? That yeah. kind of talk leads me to believe that he's talking to other yeah. organizations already. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Like you were already, and which would be smart. I think if any fighter that has a name, old or not, hears their boss say something like that, you have to start looking at the back door. You can't just be like, oh, I'm, I'm good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, you can say that to the media, but meanwhile, your manager's like, just in case, I spoke to so-and-so. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Exactly. I kind of like his attitude with things, and we shall see. Jacare also has a following. I'm sure Jacare is not contender series cheap. And like you said, he's had quite a few losses, and it's quite obvious he's aging, and some other young pup is going to be able to take him out too. But enough about Jacare. How exciting and explosive and weird was this knockout? Well, put put it this way, I was trying to like figure out first off what had actually what happened because it happened, my, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. My mind wasn't processing it. You're right; it was weird, and it was kind of like, did I just see? No, let me just have a look at the replay. How about you? Oh, I, I, same thing. I was just like, what is going on? And you know yeah. what caught my attention? They were talking shit to each other before Holland created that <laughs> space with his long legs and said, shut up, and s- slapped him with, <laughs> with, a, with a fist. And then he got up and he kept pummeling him. It looked sinister. Like, mm. I was like, this is an evil knockout, even though I know Kevin is just doing his job. This looks dangerous and horrific. And then I'm like, Gina, get a hold of yourself. The man is doing what he's supposed to do, making a name for himself. But it, it looked bad. It looked yeah. like a street fight and someone had the upper hand, you know, and it it was brilliant on Kevin's part. Also, Joe Rogan was driving me crazy. This was not the first time that we had seen something like this in the octagon. Nico Price deaded two bodies from the gr- off his back. So let's calm down. Did you <laughs> listen to this fight um, last night or did you mute it? I always have it turned down really, really oh, low. Man. So I like to make up my own mind. I, like I keep saying, I think I feel as though, especially Joe, he really does lead you, goad you, makes yeah. you feel that you should be getting excited over just something which is mundane and mediocre. I mean, he got lucky with the Mokano uh, 
say his name game name again? Fazeev. Fazeev. He got lucky mm. with Fazeev and Marcano because he was just. Yeah. I literally thought he was going to orgasm in the booth, and <laughs> he's so lucky Fazeev nailed him because yeah. he was losing it, and he was also losing it with the with our next fight, Mackenzie Dern and Verna Jandaroba. I, yeah. I, uh, you know, I don't mean to steal Kevin's thunder and move right along to this fight, but man, who expected two Brazilian practitioners to fight all sloppy Stand on feet like that? <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, you know, I suspected this would happen because we've seen really? this before. Yeah, we, we when we we get so excited when two bomb ass grapplers are, get matched up, and we always forget the fact that a lot of times. They negate that and they stand and bang and have some weird kickboxing match. And we've seen it mm. tons of time before. And I don't know why we didn't think differently with this. They, yo, Mackenzie coming forward with all those weird, funny looking punches that were actually landing was just so weird. Yeah. Verna just circling away, but not defensively sound was atrocious. But then when like she finally goes on the ground with Mackenzie Dern, I'm like, are you stronger than her? Because you're like kind of remaining in top position. Mm. So even the grappling was interesting, but. I was fine with the decision. I thought Mackenzie Dern did enough, but I did see some people thinking Verna won. What'd you think? Well, considering a broken nose mid-fight, oh. I think it's commendable the onslaught of punishment that she took. But no, I'd quite, I'm quite happy with you know how that actually ended up because I don't know. I just had it in. Maybe it was just the, the the exclamation point that she was putting on at the end of every single punch. But it just seemed to me that she was more dominant in the fight. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I would think so. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it, Mike, it just kind of shocked me to see them stand and bang like that, and it was pretty bad. Yeah. It was pretty bad. And then, once again, Joe Rogan was losing his mind with Mackenzie Dern striking, and all of us at home was like, yeah, she's out striking her, and she's coming forward and controlling the fight, which is, which is a compliment, which is something that mm. you give Mackenzie props for, but let's mm-hmm. not act like this isn't GSP with a beautiful jab, or like, I was like, what does Joe see? Like, it is... It is a little messy, and she's winning to me, but yeah, come on, let's get this fight to the ground. But Joe was annoying me last night. But nonetheless, I liked Mackenzie's um, performance. And Verna, what, this is two losses in a row for her, maybe? Or oh, is it? Or, okay. I'm not, don't hold me to it. I'd have to look into it. But Verna did go down to Carla Esparza. So, I don't know. I think she's still good for another fight is what I'm getting at. I don't think she's going to yeah. be cut. You know? With a performance like that, no, I would yeah, be very exactly. surprised that's, if we're that's just talking about two losses in the past. And the yeah, and it might just be it. one loss now and just two with Mackenzie. Don't hold me to it. So nah. she, I think she's safe. That's the point of me bringing that up. But nonetheless, I like the scrap. It wasn't bad. Mm. Wild fight. Definitely wild fight. Yeah. Speaking of wild fights, Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliver. Can I just say, mm-hmm. pause. Why did you change your pick? You had Oliveira down to win. You, uh, if I remember rightly, I don't want to malign a man when uh, this isn't what he said. I don't want to gaslight the situation here. But didn't Kairos do exactly the same thing? He changed his mind and said Charles Oliveira. Yeah, I think me and Kairos. Sorry, you, you, you both said that Ferguson was. uh, um, Hold on, let me let me let me regroup my thoughts. (laughs) On on the previous, that's it. On the previous episode of Shots Fired, when we were talking to Kairos, he was talking about the fact that mm-hmm. Charles Oliveira was going to take this. I'm sure that's what I, I recall. And then all of a sudden, you both kind of like changed your minds. Yeah. And Tony Ferguson was the front runner. What was that Man, about? Talk me through that. fight footage, you know, and just catching up on both of them and, and, and just 
I really thought Tony Ferguson's style was not meant for mm. Charles Oliveira. I really thought that he was going to be durable in the kid's face and just, you know, the Tony Ferguson type of style fight that we know and love. But what I didn't realize is that this Tony that showed up was a bit slower. And that damage from all the fights that he's had, and especially the fight with Justin Gaethje, I think is showing a little bit, even though he put up a good fight. Yeah. A little I bit. Mean, I'm trying to be nice. Tony Ferguson is one of my favorite fighters. <laughs> so, but, mm. but yeah, you're right, Mike. He showed up slow. He, I mean, he put up a good fight, though. But, I mean, can you remember any Tony Ferguson highlights besides maybe like a spinning back fist that he tried? I can't even remember a... a yeah, I can actually. The, the the fact that Charles Oliveira nearly tore his arm yeah. off, but he weathered that storm. He must have some kind of like elasticity in his arm because Oliveira's armbar attempt in the first showed the durability yeah. of Ferguson. Now that is a trait which you know you really have to highlight. Plus, when you think about it, yeah, there were a few spinning techniques in there, but you know, let's call it what it was. It was a three-round shutout, shutdown, controlled him. Actually, you know, what what I liked is the transitions and the, the, the continual and perpetual motion of Ferguson. He was yes. not going to be, um, well, the, the, the sitting duck. He was trying, basically. I saw um, this unfolding before this match because i tell you why. I remember saying on Shots Fired, I asked the question, where is El Kukui? When's the last mm-hmm. time we've seen him? It certainly wasn't in the previous match. And this yeah. was full domination. It kind of like proved my point that El Kukui had left the building, left the building a long while ago. Now, don't get me wrong. Tony is in, oh, he, he's by no means on the decline. Because if you look at the tenacity, if you look at the durability, that shows, you know, he's very much He can beat God. somebody People still. Like he's more, not taught, like oh, 100%. all that effort we saw against Charles Oliveira. Charles was just the better fighter. He's better than Tony. He's faster, Thank younger, you. and also Thank take you. into consideration Charles Oliveira is in his prime. We have to consider momentum and where he's at. Right now, all that experience yeah. Charles had and all that improvement has culminated to the person we see now. He's on fire. Nobody's beating yes. him right now except for someone at the very top, and that's not where Tony is. Tony is declining, and he's had a lot of wars. But he's still fucking good, though, I think. You see... But here's the mm, thing. We've been podcasting yeah, yeah, way yeah. too long together because you took my defining speech oh, that I was going unwell, un- to un- unravel. And, <laughs> you <have laughs> and you're yeah. absolutely right. People need to be a bit more respectful oh. of Charles Oliveira. He dominated because he was yeah, good. It's he that, was it's incredible. His time, literally. People need to be more respectful of yep. what he brought yep. to the table. You think this man that showed up as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner who fucking wilted whenever he was mm. faced with adversity. I saw a cowboy punch him once and he fell mm-hmm. apart like some weirdo. Or was it Cub Swanson? Like, he was mentally fragile for a moment. He was submitting yeah. people. Then he yeah. got submitted by, like, Jim Miller. Like, he's had, like, ups and downs. And now he's fixed all that. And now he's knocking people out. Before Tony Ferguson, he had seven fights in a row. And I believe they were all finishes. Mm. Tony Ferguson is his first fight that he went to decision with. And you know why? Because it was Tony fucking Ferguson Give Tony his respect. Thank you. Okay? Yep. Seven yep. finishes in I a row. That. And he goes up that. against Tony Ferguson and he cannot finish him even though he was the better fighter. And at no point did Tony put him in any danger whatsoever. Ever. 
No, one hundred percent. I have to say, <laughs> made me laugh at the end. He was channeling his inner Thanos at the end by showing us that stone. Didn't even see that that stone in the, the Avengers. Yeah, Where like, did he get that, that from? I what thought was it was a potato about? chip. I was like, is he hungry? <laughs> he needs a snack. Like I don't know what the fuck that was, but. I was just so proud and so happy of him, and I, I, I regret changing my decision, but I respect my decision because mm. Tony is, he's, he's so good, and he's tough, and he's durable, but everybody has their day where they start to decline, and I believe Tony Ferguson, we're going to start to see that. Hate to say it. See, I take issue with that because, nah, you see, I don't see it as him in decline. He's in no means is is well by no means. So is Tony this guy Ferguson being in decline. You, I don't mean to interrupt, but mm. let me ask you a question. The Tony Ferguson that went on that horrendous fight streak and was not given a title shot and just toyed with by Dana, mm-hmm. he would have given Charles mm. Oliveira fits. Like Tony in his prime? Come on. He would have ate a lot of shots from Charles Oliveira, but he would have been faster. You know, like I, I saw a speed advantage here. Tony just could not get the better exchanges of him on 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 the while grappling and for the scrambles but back in the day i think tony would have had his number or at least a hard for yeah, all of this is you know, about match a, but you know at least he would have had charles in trouble at times we've seen tony eat terrible ass shots and then come back and put somebody else on front street yeah, but all, all of this is about adjustment, in-round yeah. adjustments as well, which was all taking place on top of the control, the shutting down of him was, I reckon, subtle planning as basically they were clashing. Things, subtle things yeah. were being changed and you I could mean, see it, that. And it just kept Oliveira on top all the way through. He just was the, the better fighter. Like we can talk, we can talk about Tony, yes. what was wrong with him all that all day, whether it's age, declining, the wars, mm. or he just had mm-hmm. an off night. It don't matter. Charles Oliveira was just the better fighter in the scrambles, on the feet, on the ground. Yep. Matter of fact, I asked you about a Tony Ferguson highlight, and what you brought up was him not tapping from an arm bar. That's, you know what I'm saying? Like, think about it. I was like, what was his defining moment when he ain't tapped from an arm bar? That is nuts. That is Charles Oliveira dominating the <laughs> fuck out of somebody that is still really good. Yeah. And when I say decline, he's just starting to decline. <laughs> he's just a little bit slower. Mm. And can you blame him? Justin Gaethje bounced his head off the floor how many times? And let's not forget, it doesn't take one hard fight like the fight from Justin to make somebody war-torn. Tony's been dropped by Anthony yep. Pettis, Lando Venata. Like, we've seen him get beat the fuck up and win. It's just time for his body to take a break, and he's slowing down. I knew when he was dancing in the, in the, in the, um, in the hospital that something was up with him. I was like, why is he showing us that he's you know, dancing in a hospital after that beating? Just lay down. Just lay down. You don't mm. have nothing to prove, Tony. You don't need to put on the music and dance in, in, a, in, in, a, in, a, in um, a hospital garb and show us that you're okay. Relax. <laughs> Topping this all off. Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. What did you reckon of this? Um, love this fight. Love, love, love this fight. I mean, these two went to war. I, and you know what else we need to talk about is that this was a quick turnaround. So what type of camps did these people have? It was short notice camp, like, oh, shit, we're fighting again. And look at the mm. performance they still put on. These, these men are the best in the division, hands on. The, the champion truly fought the rightful contender here, and it showed. But I did see some holes in Davis's game, but we're going to get to it. What do you think? Well, 
Moreno was definitely there to fight. I loved that. He wasn't obviously there Mm -hmm. and to be a punching bag, which I thought would be the case, to be honest with you. And the way that um, Figueiredo came out, it was with venomous intention. You saw the spinning kick from the off. But this this fight had everything for me. They had the rock'em sock'em and the trading Mm -hmm. of of blows, like, you know, in the pocket. Love that. Had mad scrambles, had the flashy kicks, and the pace was just ridiculous. But obviously, you know, had had some downside as well with the nut shots and the eye pokes. But this, for me, was a complete fight. I personally, I'm going to say it now, this isn't up there for me um, in the Wiley Zhang and um, Joanna Yun Jacek fight. It isn't. It is a contender of the year, yes. Uh, for, also contender for fight of the year, yes. But it's no way on par. It really isn't. People need to just... Um, <laughs> Yeah, they need they need to peep yeah. that fight again because recency bias. Yes, I know is a thing, but that will be indelible in terms of action, in terms of blows exchange, in terms of strategy, in terms of actual like sheer entertainment. You just can't get better can, than Wally Zhang. Can I be honest with Yorana. you? Like, I was shocked that this mm. fight was even compared to those two. When you could compare this, you can Thank you know you. what fight this gives. Um, it, a, a run for its money for whether I probably fucked that all up, but you know what I mean. David <laughs> Figgy versus Brandon <laughs> yeah. Moreno can go up against um, Hooker versus Dustin Poirier. Like bring it back down a notch. That's the yeah. fight we should be comparing yes. this. Thank to. you. Welly Zhang and them had no mm. time for nut shots, timeouts. Her face was nope. grotesque. The injuries nope. we've never seen before. The fight was. Uh, stupid tremendous I don't even know what to say but I do think mm. <laughs> I do I'm just making <laughs> shit up I do think Figgy versus Moreno can give Dustin Hooker and them a run for the money most definitely most definitely leave Welly Zhang and that shit alone we ain't even see JJ since that shit mm. you know what I'm saying like relax <laughs> but this fight I I totally believe in the draw okay uh, I don't know who won and then on top of that we fucking had the um the nut shot that had the the point taken away. If the point had not been taken away, yeah. Davison Figueredo would have won. But here's my issue. Yes, really. You see, I I, I still I still was yeah. undecided. I I'm so glad I'm not a judge. How do you well, score that? Oh, I'm terrible with my memory is trash, and you know why. Um, there's a round that clearly Brandon Moreno won. I think it was the fourth round. Davison to me, clearly mm. won the fifth round. Miranda was Moreno. I'm combining names now. Mare- M- Brando. <laughs> what is wrong with me today? <laughs> Put it the long story short, I thought Davison did a bit more to win and was landing the harder significant shots and, and whatnot. And I think mm. the, um, the deduction point played a huge role in why he didn't win. If that point had not been deducted, he would have been called the winner. Absolutely. What did you think of the deduction? Do you okay. think it's fair? Should there be a warning first or should the deduction just come straight away? You see, it really does depend on which uh, ref you've got. Because some do give a warning, don't they? And then, you know, this guy was like having none, none How of would you it, do but it? Would you, if you were a ref, you given a warning or are you just like, that's it? And I, There'd have to be consistency. I would give a yeah. warning. Because in the heat of the battle, in the heat of the moment, some people, you know, it's truly like accidental. So you you have to be told, I think we have to be warned. Look, watch your fingers. Yeah, at least, you know, some type of warning or whatnot. But I did did have an interesting conversation with like um, the girls last night in KGB. And they were saying that if you don't give the warning, it cuts out all these stupid fouls and timeouts and the cheating. So you have to keep that 
into consideration. It does kind of keep them in check if you're the type of ref that just kind of right away is like, fuck that. If you're the type of ref that takes points immediately, fighters are going to think twice about pulling all types of bullshit. And they're going to, you know, not mm. aim for the, the nuts or look for, you know, to take a timeout when it's necessary. But back to the fight. Yeah. My issue with this fight was this. I am nervous about Figueredo using his chin to get in on the inside to land that killer shot. Did you see him get wobbled and also eat a ton of shots from Brandon Moreno? He masked he sure it well, did. though, I have to say. Yeah, you're right. He sure did. But it makes me nervous because it's like, how many of those can you sustain as you defend your Take, championship? Yeah. You know, as you defend mm. your belt, how many of those shots can you take from contenders? Are you always going to be able to see mm. them? Joe made a good point. You can eat those shots, but there's always one that you might not see coming, and now you can't eat it. And sure. I just don't think yep. that that is a, a defensively sound strategy for a champion. Your chin is going to start to erode, and you might not see It's risky is what I'm saying. So I didn't like that for Figueredo, but I loved his durability, and I did think he was the slightly better fighter than Brandon Moreno, but we have a fucking rivalry here. Brandon did not let up. Man, those takedowns were vicious, too. <laughs> the way he was just scooping him up and throwing him down and the reversals on the ground. I think in the in, in the fifth round, I saw a reversal by Davison that almost looked like a cartwheel. Man, that's really Yeah. I don't even know Trilling. how to break this fight down. There was so much, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that I, I wanted to kind of like lead on to, mm-hmm. how does... <laughs> champion versus champion sound. This is more in my wheelhouse. This is what I want to see. This your shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Figueredo versus un- Peter Yan. How about that? I would I would probably orgasm. I'm not gonna Thank lie. You. Like Joe, like Joe Thank Rogan you. did last night on the broadcast. Like, yes. There this is why I didn't want to scrap this motherfucking division in the first place. It mm-hmm. has potential and Figgy is showing us that. Like he is the star right now, but he's also bringing out the best in Brandon Moreno, Joseph Benavid. Like this division is on fire right now and I fucking love it. And also too, I cannot stand the cringe king. I can't. No. Henry Cejudo is not for me. But if you bring him back, he cuts weight and fights Davis and Figueroa. I am fucking watching that fight like no other. <laughs> like he's still, he's still Mexican Rocky to me. The guy pulls it off and he fights well. I'd love to see him try to out wrestle Figueroa or try to eat his hardest shots. I'd love for Figgy to test Henry's chin. But Henry too busy out here being a diva and trying to make himself relevant during a time when it's a pandemic. Don't Dana don't even want to pay you. I heard. Dana was like, I haven't even spoken to him since he left. What does that tell you? That tells he's me that he's uninter- bullshitting. No way. That he's uninterested in Henry. Nah. Story. Sounds nah. like he's not worth the he's not worth the tag. Like <laughs> Henry want more money, and Dana like this pandemic. We making cuts, and you want more money for what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I could be wrong. though. this is pure speculation, but. I don't know. If Henry's going to come back, shut all the talking, come back, train, and start beating people up that you should have fought on your way to the title. Yeah, <laughs> Aljo. Figure, it's time to come back and, and, and show us that you can beat the people at the top of your division. Put like, up or shut up. Yeah, that's just basically where I am with him. Put mm-hmm. up, shut up. Fight the guys you skipped around to fight Aldo and everybody else, and then I'll, I'll stop talking about you in, in such a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> you know where we're at right now in the show? It's time for listener questions. Oh, I got one real quick. Okay, go for it. I got one in my DMs from um, Warshore Shay. I love her. So she said, 
I really thought the ladies deserved to be rewarded with performance bonuses, even though the whole card was fire and that fight was scrappy as fuck. What did you think? Did you think that the ladies deserved a uh, fight of a night bonus or a check under the table for their performance of Mackenzie Dern versus Verna? Definitely um, a locker room bonus. But in terms of front and center, come on, there were so many others who were de- yeah. <coughs> excuse me, deserving. Mm, yeah, Shay, I'm going to have to, I'm not with you on this one. I mean, <laughs> I enjoyed the fight just as much as you did, but I think if it had turned into more of a grappling, just barn burner, like the yeah. way we wanted. What we wanted to yes. see, yeah. Well, it, yeah, if it had turned into what we wanted to see and it was competitive, like Verna was, you know, giving Mackenzie the, the blues on the ground and then Mackenzie's scrambles and, and, you know, if we had saw that type of Brazilian jiu-jitsu type of grappling match, yeah. sure. But I think Mackenzie's just coming forward with that weird striking and Verna just, you know, circling out and yada, yada. I don't think it deserved, like, an official bonus but if dana wants to slip them some extra change i don't mm. mind i'm not mad at it <laughs> exactly okay so first up um for our audio questions we've got our man todd rhino from combat sports hey, with rhino big homie rhino from the combat sports with rhino podcast so holy fuck what a show last night for ufc 256 i mean top to bottom the entire card completely delivered it gave us all that quenching of our thirst for violence and it also showed a lot of great techniques a lot of stuff on the ground a lot of stuff on the feet absolutely delivered exceeded all expectations i fucking loved it that being said i'm always looking forward to the next thing right <laughs> so next week we've got ufc fight night 17 uh of course i'm a huge wonder boy fan very much looking forward to his fight however i think the the fight that could possibly be one of those ones that we talk about for a long time after is chaos williams versus michelle Pajeda. i think this one could be a fucking barn burner really looking forward to it want to hear your guys thoughts on it love you love the show talk to you later he has 100 percent nailed it i mean first of all both of those individuals uh michelle um Pereira for a start i mean i love his style i love the flamboyance and i just think like chaos williams as well they're both gonna bring it he's nailed this 100 percent. that is definitely the people's main event for me anyway i mean nope no argument with me there todd rhino has got this 100 percent. i mean that that matchup right there is just fucking fire but mm. listen i i no longer i no longer doubt chaos okay that stare across the cage and that's <laughs> that you know that killer stare got me yeah. on top of it he, he he keeps telling us like when the ref wakes them up y'all gonna realize y'all gonna learn and so i done learned and i'm gonna pick him for that fight and i think he just kind of withers the whole weird cartwheel full of energy storm and just lands on michelle piera and we see him go down that's my take i don't go against chaos anymore until somebody brings the business to him. <laughs> i think i agree with you there <laughs> yeah last but by no means least ty walden has a question on tony ferguson hey gina hey mike it's ty here i have a question regarding tony ferguson it's been a tough last two fights understatement but i feel like he can bounce back but i want to know who do you guys believe he should be matched up with next once he's recovered Jesus. and all? I just really hope that El Kukui can bounce back and 
get a chance to compete for the title again. Anyways, Aww. have a great day. Bye. Now that's that's a fan. This is easy. Uh, for you, speak for yourself. Michael Chandler. <laughs> Michael Chandler. Let's see levels. Let's see if you are uh, still in the game. Let's see where we are, if El Kikui can actually come back to bat. Because as far as I'm concerned, there is no better test. I do now see, to be honest with you, El Kikui is the gatekeeper. So give him Michael Chandler. Um, I like that matchup. But I do believe Michael Chandler is going to fight Dan Hooker, which just takes my breath away because that is the perfect fight for them. Um, I would like that fight. I think it would be competitive because Michael Chandler has that awesome wrestling and, you know, Tony Ferguson isn't afraid to fight off his back. Mm. But to be honest, I'm not mad at the winner of Diego Fiera versus B- um, Benil Dariush. It's dangerous, but it's Tony's a gatekeeper now, baby. So... <laughs> If, if we got to put him up there and see if um, Benil or Diego Fierro can get past him. And I think Tony's good enough to be a gatekeeper to send people back down or to get beat up as the young pups make their way up. So I would like to see him kind of fight Diego or Benil Darius. I think that makes sense. But, Mike, I can't wait for Dan Hooker and Chandler. I really do think they're working on it. Chandler keeps teasing about being in a fight camp, too, and I think that's what he's getting ready for. Ah, nice work, Columbo. Yeah, okay. Mm. (laughs) Let's see. I'm on the case. (laughs) Okay, well, that about wraps up this episode of The Wocast. We, of course, as usual, um, if you've heard anything on the show that you want to actually um, talk to us about, I'm on Twitter, at MikeWoTV. And, G, where can people find you? And I'm at Just Gina MMA. Come find me. Okay, until then, make some trouble. See you later.